In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. It's day 14, training camp at Bria. Three more days left, and I'm here with Daryl, the writer. How's it been at camp today? Uh, it was another good day. Uh, most of the time was spent doing scout teamwork, so can't really get into those type of specifics. But um, you can tell they're getting closer and closer to the regular season. Uh, when they start putting those scout team jerseys on. And uh, this, of course, the third preseason game coming up. So they're getting ready for that. Excellent. And let's start with the headline straight away. Let's go straight into the key point, kickers. Everyone on Twitter is talking about kickers and Corbett. So how did the kicker battle look today? Um, both these guys can't get cut soon enough. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not going well. Uh, both were four to six uh, in team 11 on 11. Basically, you're in training camp. You should be making all your kicks. And these guys don't do that. And they don't do it consistently. Uh, Freddie Kitchens talks about not just with his kickers, but with just every position. When he puts a player on the field, he wants to know what exactly he's going to get from those players. And you have no idea what you're going to get from these kickers when they uh, go out there uh, for their kicks. And that's a problem. The Browns lost a couple of games last year early in the season because they couldn't kick the football. Uh, they can't afford to lose games early this season or at any point this season because they can't kick field goals. So it's a problem. It, to me, it's the number one concern uh, of camp, uh, the fact that neither one of these guys has separated themselves. And uh, Greg Joseph will technically, I think, win the job on August 31st when the roster gets cut to the first 53. And then uh, on September 1st, I anticipate John Dorsey going out and signing someone who is uh, made available because they were cut elsewhere. But his, like, kicking percentage, I think someone uh, showed to me earlier, was 85% last season. And, like, four out of six is, what, 66 percent is that good enough for the nfl no it's not like i said that's why these guys these guys should should not get the job um they and it's been this way all camp uh with them and uh even when greg joseph has a perfect five for five session uh you know they'll run him out there for a pressure kick and he misses that and, you know, so we've not had these guys really have, you know, any of these guys have a, have a perfect day in camp. And it just, it's not to the standard that the Cleveland Browns need it to be if they're going to be a playoff team in 2019. Daryl, you've been around God knows how many years with the Browns. Zane, for example, how did Zane look over the last two years against these two? I wish he was here still, um, you know, uh, certainly understand why he's not, uh, but uh, Zane Gonzalez would be an improvement, no question. Actually, you know what, at this point, anybody would be an improvement over these two. 
and the last two years, Zayn looked a lot more comfortable than these two. Yeah, and and I don't know what it is. I mean, you know, it's it's you ask uh, pretty much on a regular basis. You know, what's going on? What's the problem? Is it mechanics? Is it technique? Is it the snap? Is it the hold? Is it you know? And it's just it's a mixed bag of everything. Uh, the, the snaps have looked fine. I think the holds have been pretty good for the most part. Jamie Gill, you know, they have the punters do the holding. So Britton Colquitt and Jamie Gillen rotate in and out um, holding the, the field goals. And we saw that today. Holding's not the issue. It's just the bottom line is, is these guys are not making the kicks. Do you think it's technique or do you think it's psychological? I have no idea what it is. And it's, it's obviously not fixable because this has gone on this was going on in the spring. Uh, it has continued into training camp. And so if you can't get it rectified between May and the middle of August, I just, I don't think you're going to get it rectified in these last two weeks of camp. You mentioned about Greg Joseph potentially getting the full-time job and then maybe getting cut, but what would you do in this situation? Uh, it's exactly what I'd do. Greg Joseph would technically win the job on August 31st, and then September 1st, he'd be replaced. You don't think the solution is to cut Austin and try and get someone else in training camp just to compete against Greg Joseph? Well, I uh, have recommended that, and um, Freddie Kitchens made it very clear following practice today that they are still in their evaluation process of both of these kickers. I don't know what else they need to see, but... That's apparently still going on. They haven't made any decisions, and they're not, uh, you know, in the mood to, to, to cut anyone yet and bring in other competition. And quite frankly, there's not a lot of other competition out there. So um, they're going to see this thing through over these final two preseason games. And then, like I said, August 31st and September 1st will be rather interesting because I do not think that the week one kicker is on this roster. <laughs> wow. That's a big call. Yeah, but you know what? That's not a foreign thing, Paul. That, yeah. that, 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 that happens all the time in the NFL. So it, it's, it's not, a, you know, it sounds very cold and callous and matter of fact, and it's meant to be matter of fact, uh, but it's not that big of a deal uh, to bring in, your, bring in a, uh, a veteran experience kicker. You know, maybe Mason Crosby becomes available. Maybe – uh, you know, saw so, you know, so, someone else, uh, you know, Dan Bailey becomes available or whatever. So we'll see who becomes available on September 1, and then uh, you bring them in. The Browns, by the way, have done this before, where they have brought in a kicker before week one. Teams around the NFL do this all the time. So it's not panic time just yet. Uh, I would say the time to panic is if Greg Joseph is your kicker week one. No, I get it. Um, kicker's quite a unemotional thing you, you're gonna get up there you got your head's got to be in the right place and you've got to make the kick yep. and um yeah that there's lots of people out there that could come in and potentially do it i don't think you need to probably the word is the chemistry with a lot of other people in the team you just need to come out there and make the kick Yep, see ball, kick ball. Get it, get it over the bar and between the two poles and that's uh you know not been happening uh, at least at the rate that Freddie Kitchens is looking for. And you can tell, you know, every time we ask about it, you know, he's, he's trying to, to put on the, you know, to make it known that he's not 
happy with the production that he's seeing, but also at the same time, uh, not to throw either guy under the bus uh, because he, you know, I mean, bet, listen, best case scenario is tomorrow morning we go out to Berea and, and something clicks with one of these guys and they make every kick for the next two weeks. I just don't see that happening because we've yet to see that happen. We, I mean, you know, like I said, we, we, yeah, we, kicking field goals is like one of the few things the Browns did well over the years. Um, but, and now it uh, just so happens to be the year that they need a good, reliable, dependable kicker uh, because they are ready to win. They are ready to be uh, a competitor within their division, within the conference, maybe the entire league for the Super Bowl and everything else. Uh, they just, they, I just, they, they don't have that reliable, consistent kicker right now. And that is problematic. Some people on uh, Twitter are saying, let's just go for two on every play. What do you feel about things like that? Well, um, the Pittsburgh Steelers have done that for uh, a, a couple years. I don't think it's the smartest strategy. I, I think you go for two and uh, when the mathematics tells you to do it. Um, but uh, again, it, you know, my concern isn't the PATs. My concern is the, you know, you get the ball around the 30, the opponent's 30 yard line. That's about a 48 yard field goal there. And if you can't make that, you're basically giving away three points there. And those are three points that you're probably going to need and that you can't afford uh, to give away. Um, so, you know, from my standpoint, I, I need somebody that can make those long field goals because I, I think the Browns are going to kick a lot of extra points this year, Paul. I really do. Their offense is extremely prolific. Um, but – uh, for those situations that when the drive stalls uh, around that 30, 35 yard line, I'd, I'd like to be able to run a kicker out there that can go get me those three points. Here we go. Something crazy. Why isn't the Scottish, the Scottish hammer had a go having a few kicks? Well, he's, he is uh, being used exclusively uh, as a, a punter. Uh, and he has a lively leg as a punter. Uh, the ball just explodes off his foot um, where I think he needs some, some help is with the, the finer points of punting. But I just, I don't get the impression that that is a route the Browns at this juncture are willing to go and consider. It seems a huge risk to take a punter with so limited American football experience when there's so much hype around potentially getting to the playoffs and we've got the cap space for this year. I, I can't see it happening. Scottish hammer getting the uh, gig. Yeah. And uh, you know, again, he's been impressive to watch. Uh, I thought Freddie kitchens made a very good point Sunday afternoon when we spoke to him on a conference call after the preseason game. And he, he was asked about the 74 yard punt and basically, and I'm summarizing here, what Freddie said was, listen, the kick was great, uh, 74 yards, that's fabulous, but there's a problem with that kick, and that is it didn't have enough hang time, and we were fortunate that we were able to down it because had uh, the Colts returner elected to field that and return it, we didn't have a player within 30 yards, and so that would have been a 30-yard return, and you figure maybe you get another five yards at 
when the returners get to, or I should say the gunners get down to try and uh, tackle the returner, uh, yeah, okay, you get, let's add another between five and 10 yards. So 30 plus five and 10, that's around, you're looking at about uh, 45 yards being given back. So instead of a 74 yard punt, you're only netting between 35 and 40 yards on that kick. And that's not what you're looking for when you talk about flipping position, you know, field position. And so when you, when Freddie's talking about the punting, and this is where Britton Colquitt has the advantage over Jamie Gillen, is that Colquitt has the finer points of the game down. He knows when he needs to get hang time, and he's able to boot the punts that get the hang time when they're needed. He knows how to use the coffin corner and, and down the ball inside the five-yard line or inside the 10 or inside the 20. He knows how to flip a field with a booming punt. So, um, and he also uh, you know, has the experience holding. So if this were two years ago, when the Browns were all about young, developing talent, Britton Colquitt would be the guy getting cut and Jamie Gillen would be the punter on this team because it's about player growth and development and all those type of things. Whereas this year, it's completely different. It's about winning now and uh, player development. Yeah, you still want to do some of that, but you're not going to do that at the expense of trying to win football games. Yeah, I agree with you. It's um, Colquitt's a pro bowler in my eyes. Well, Super Bowl winner, uh, punter. Let's, let's keep him. He's the safest option we've got and a great safe option as well yeah and i just i think that that's the route that they're ultimately going to go um uh, and i do believe that uh gillen's going to get picked up uh because he uh, again teams are going to see that lively leg of his and they're gonna fall in love with that so his nfl career would not be over by any stretch of the imagination if the browns do cut him and stick with the veteran colquitt uh, but I just think that for where the Browns are at and from an overall team view strategy, it just makes more sense to go the veteran route. So do you think he's going to get picked up on another practice squad or do you actually think you can see him as a, a number one punter for another NFL team? Oh, I think he'll get, I think he has a very good chance of getting picked up as, as somebody's punter. Absolutely. Wow. Well, that'd be great to see for him because I know him and his family uh, love him being a Cleveland Browns at the moment, but yeah, they've also got great hearts and uh, they're so proud of uh, Jamie at the moment. So uh, it'd be great to see him in the NFL with a first uh, first team punter. Yeah, well, and uh, I like I said, I think he's got the talent to do it. Uh, there's some refinement that uh, we talked about that he needs to work on, but he absolutely does have NFL talent. There's no question in my mind. Excellent. And moving on to the offense, the O-line today, right guard, was it Kush starting today? Yeah, Kush has kind of been there for the last three and a half uh, weeks here going on four, and that really hasn't changed. They threw another kid in there for uh, a little bit, Kendall Lamb. Um, last week, uh, they threw Drew Forbes in the mix in a couple of two minute situations. So they're, they're still trying to figure that thing out. Um, I think Eric Cush is going to be the starter. Um, Larry Ogunjobi kicked his butt today in practice. There's, <laughs> that was pretty evident. 
Um, but yeah, Cush, I think is going to end up being that starter at right guard. And uh, just to be really clear, who did uh, Ojobi kick ass today? Was it? Uh, it was Cush. It was Cush, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, Cush <laughs> had it handed to him today. I actually, it was, it was funny. Uh, the one of the, the videos I, I tweeted out, uh, Baker Mayfield kind of bought some time because Cush was doing everything he could to hang on to Ogan Joby and keep him away from Baker. Uh, and you know, Baker's backing up in the pocket, moves to his left, and he threw a a forty yard pass down the field to Jarvis Landry, who made a great catch. Uh, but I think that had that been live and the, and the quarterback been live, uh, that probably would have been a sack. Uh, but yeah, um, also too, this Browns defensive front is, is pretty good. So I, I hesitate to say that the offensive line isn't up to par because I think the defensive front is really good. And these guys are kind of, uh, I think that when they get in the games and go against some of the other defensive fronts, they're going to feel like it's a, a day off because they're not having to go against that Browns front four. Lamb's penciled in as a swing tackle reserve type, type of guy. How do you look at right guard today? Yeah, I mean, uh, it was all right. Um, didn't really stand out to me. The only thing that stood out to me was he was in there. Um, and, and the other thing, too, is, is they're trying to figure out who their backup offensive linemen are going to be. I'll be honest with you, I really do believe that the starting five on the offensive line are set, uh, barring an injury to somebody. I think that they're set. Uh, and then what they'll do is they got to figure out who their, their tackle, their swing tackle will be, and then they got to figure out who their backup interior lineman is going to be. Right now, I'm going to say that uh, Austin Corbett is going to be that backup interior lineman. I don't think that they're going to give up on him just yet. He spent a lot of time at center the last couple of weeks. He's still spending time at uh, backup center uh, with the twos and the threes. I think that I expect that to continue. He's uh, played both guard positions at times as well with the twos and the threes. So I really think Corbett will end up being the, the, back, the, the backup interior lineman. As far as who the guy is uh, for the, the tackle, I think that the backup tackle, rather, I think that that's still uh, up in the air. We haven't heard a lot about Weissman recently. Was he uh, practicing today? Uh, Brian uh, Weitzman, uh, 71? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, he was out there. Uh, and I'll be perfectly honest with you. I haven't paid much attention to him. <laughs> we're, we're, all, we're all sweating who's going to be starting right now. <laughs> so uh, he's, he's not – let's put it this way. He's not someone that's, like, jumped off of me when I watched the twos. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, you know, uh, and I'll be honest with you, I haven't even asked a single coach about him yet. But I'll make a note. I'll do you a favor. And at some point, I'll, uh, I'll ask somebody about him for you. Please don't ask Freddie and he gets upset with you. <laughs> yeah, Freddie, uh, uh, we know what – let's put it this way. When Freddie comes off the practice field, we can tell if he's going to be in a good mood or a bad mood. So I'll, I'll pick a day that he's in a good mood if I uh, pose that question to him. What was his comment today? Uh, have you got enough – have you used all your quotes or up as questions? Yeah, uh, yeah uh, the other day on the conference call – uh, he was he, he, trying to elicit a response from us. And when we're on those conference calls, we keep our phones on mute. So everyone's, you know, background noise isn't there. And so 
where, you know, he's like, Hey, you guys there, anyone listening? And we're like, yeah, all our phones are on mute. He goes, man, I wish I could do that in person to you guys. So he's, he's a great guy. You know, he, he, he's a very, he's very serious about his job. That's one thing I've noticed about Freddie. He's very serious about his job, but he's got excellent people skills. Uh, he, he knows how to have fun with people. He knows how to be serious with people. He knows how to chew people out when they need to be chewed out. He knows how to show some love when it's time to show some love. He's got excellent people skills and uh, all those people worrying about Freddie Kitchens being the head coach of this football team. Uh, I think that uh, that's going to turn out to be some wasted energy. Mm. Moving on to the uh, wide receiver, looking at who was, who was good today. We've obviously got Odell Higgins and Landry that are locked on. So let's just forget about them. Who was looking good today? Who was practicing? Who wasn't there? Well, it's it's all about who's who's available and, and practicing. Uh, Damian Ratley is a guy who's got a lot of catching up to do. He's back from the hamstring, but uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to, to, to make the team here. Um, they continue to give Jalen Strong and Derek Willies uh, reps with the first-team offense, especially when they're allowing Landry and uh, Odell to kind of take a step back. And in fact, Odell didn't take any team reps today. He just did the individual stuff, including that insane under his right leg uh, with one hand catch that he made uh, during positional drills. Um, You know, the back end of that group, you know, um, I just, I'm not real confident that, um, uh, as far as some of the depth, I think Jalen's, if I had to handicap it right now, including Antonio Callaway's suspension. So let's say there's three jobs up for grabs. Uh, Jalen Strong and Willie's are on the team. Uh, and then it becomes a toss up between uh, Ratley. We'll have to wait and see what he's able to do here. Ishmael Hyman and Dorian Baker. One of those three guys for that final spot until Callaway comes back. But um, I don't really know how I would handicap that. But I feel pretty good about the camps that Jalen Strong and Derek Willies have had. I think that they've done enough to make the team unless, and this is the key because it's interesting when you listen to Freddie Kitchens talk, you really have to pay attention to what he says because he's pretty honest and candid in his remarks. And he always says, when we ask him about certain uh, about position battles and guys making the team, he always reminds us, not only are you competing with the people in your room, you're competing with 31 other teams in the league. So it would not shock me if they keep two receivers, Callaway goes on reserve suspended, and they pick up a sixth wide receiver for those first four weeks off the waiver wire. It just, I'm not saying it's going to happen. It's just, it's something that as I look at the back end of that position, Paul, I think is, is, is definitely plausible because they're very top heavy and it's very good to be top heavy with Beckham, Landry and Hollywood. Mate, it's a really good point. The last two years we've been spoiled with first round picks with the first wave of picks as well. But in, in my head, we've got, Willies, Strong, and Montgomery. Surely them three are going to make the uh, 53 plus Hyman maybe go on the practice squad? 
Yeah, yeah, possibly. Um, it, it's that is going to be a very interesting position, though, uh, to see how that uh, plays out here down the stretch because it is a very it's it's a good competition. It is a legitimate competition, uh, and there's a lot of guys competing for very few uh, spots there. And the and the guys that do get cut, <laughs> this may shock you. The guys that get cut are probably going to get picked up by another NFL team. I'm not shocked about that. I think that's, uh, yeah, that's very realistic. But Well, in years past, that wasn't the case. If you couldn't make the Cleveland Browns, you don't belong in the NFL. This year, if you don't make the Browns, there's a good chance you're going to be able to find a, another job somewhere else. Ratley's the one thing, though, or one person that could really upset everything. Six-round pick yep. last year. Dorsey's invested in him. He could out-trump the likes of Montgomery, Hyman. I, I think Willie's and Stronger on the roster. Yeah, uh, and that, that's what I said too. Um, but, you know, Freddie Kitchen said today, hey, kid's got to come in here and he's got he's to show himself fast, you know. Uh, they, they like the physical makeup, you know, uh, his size, his speed, length, all those type, types of thing. But what Kitchens is really looking for, and he's looking for it from everyone, consistency. Uh, you know, we talked about the kickers earlier and, and that. Like, he, Freddie Kitchens is very big on if I'm putting you on the field, I know what you're going to do. It's not a mystery to me. And I think with Ratley right now, just because he's been dinged up, uh, it's a little bit of a mystery, but he's got time. Um, he's got time to do that. What about tight end three? This is a real key point for me. I can't see anyone on our roster that's going to potentially make that uh, tight end three. Anything you see today? Well, it's it's not about today. It's just just overall. I mean, they got size there. Uh, you know, th that position right now is the one skill position where they don't have. They just they don't have an elite player. They they don't. Um, uh, David Njoku is consistently inconsistent, uh, and it frustrates the coaching staff to no end. Um, I think Demetrius Harris. They really like him a lot. And then it comes down to Farrell Brown, Stephen Carlson, uh, Miquan Dean, and Seth DeVal for that third spot. Seth is back. He's practicing. Maybe he's able to make the team. We'll see. Uh, I, I said at the beginning of camp, he was a player I felt was in danger of not making the roster. And uh, I still feel that way. Seth DeValve's injuries have haunted him. His time at his Browns. He's a great catcher, glorified wide receiver. Well, yeah, I mean, he's he's also been hurt a lot, which doesn't help. So um, there's there are there are you know issues there, and he's going to have to prove himself. Moving on to the defense, anything that stood out today? Uh, not really. Cause it, it, a lot of scout team stuff today. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi, like I said, basically spent the entire practice in the backfield. Uh, the defensive front they're, they're, they're loaded. Miles Garrett, he's kind of being held back a little bit. Cause just like Odell, no, no need to push him. You, he's getting his work in, you know what you got. So, um, 
you know, uh, this, the secondary jobs, uh, that's really what's up for grabs, backup reserve jobs. Um, and that's, that's the evolution here uh, of this franchise where, you know, they, there may not be a rookie that ends up being a starter. That's not a failure on John Dorsey's part. That just tells you the progress this organization has made where they're not dependent on their rookie class to step in and be starters. Their rookies can learn on the job and be role players. Um, uh, Terrence Mitchell's had an outstanding camp. He's fighting uh, Greedy Williams, uh, the second-round pick for that other corner job opposite of Denzel Ward. Um, you know, Sheldrick Redwine, the rookie safety, needs some seasoning. Mac Wilson, for as good as he's been, needs some seasoning. Uh, Sion Takitaki's a little banged up, needs some seasoning. So um, this this – Defense is going to, you know, rely on their veterans uh, and have these young guys in uh, in role positions. And uh, they're, they're a lot of fun to watch on both sides of the ball. Uh, the defense doesn't get talked about as much as the offense. Uh, but I think that this defense has a chance to be one of the best in the league. Excellent. And we all know defensives wins championships. It They do. Uh, they certainly help. And um, if uh, the opponent doesn't score, that means that you don't have to score a whole lot. I think the Browns are going to score a lot of points this year. So um, that, that, you know, when I look at the defensive front, you know, basically what this training camp has done, Paul, is validated everything that I thought going in, especially with the, you know, the starters. You know, on paper, when you look, Miles Garrett, Larry Ogunjobi, Sheldon Richardson, Olivier Vernon, three of the four guys are pro bowlers. On paper, looks like that they're just a force to be reckoned with. As I've watched training camp and watched these guys uh, work, they're a force to be reckoned with. They really are. Um, and uh, that, that is making the, uh, the secondary's job a lot easier. The linebackers are being freed up to make more impact plays. That's one of the, been one of the Browns' biggest weaknesses is lack of impact plays from their linebacking core over the years. Well, these guys are able to make plays now because they just don't have to run up and tackle the guy that broke through the line, if that makes sense. So, um, and this, this, this 4 two, five configuration that Steve Wilkes is running on that side of the ball too is interesting. They're either in a, a nickel, uh, which is the three corners and two safeties, or they flip it and they go with a three safety alignment and two corners. So, uh, those guys are a lot of fun to watch run around. Yeah. Well, Daryl, I just want to say thank you very much for your time this evening. What's your plans for this season? Are you going to be doing anything different or are you just going to be uh, in the mix doing your uh, reporting? I'd just be doing what I always do, causing trouble. <laughs> and letting everyone know what's going on. It should be ex an exciting year. I, I certainly expect it to be. I think it has the potential. Uh, they certainly have the talent uh, to make it a historic year in a very positive way. Um, but they've they got to go out there and prove it. But like I said, training this training camp has validated my feelings about this team going in, and that is that they are, in fact, one of the more talented teams, not just in the AFC, but in the NFL. But talent is only half the battle which is a battle this franchise has fought for 20 years. They didn't have any talent. Well, now they got the talent. And, you know, 
just there's little things that I see in practice, the way guys interact with each other, talk to each other when we're interviewing players, you know, teammates will perfect example today. You know, we're, we're talking to Demarius Randall, who's got a ball cap on and apparently he lost a bet to someone and had to paint his hair blue. And, you know, Sheldon Richardson is off on the side laughing and giggling and then walks up and he takes, takes Randall's hat on hat off and rubs his hair and, you know, uh, it just you see the the camaraderie that these guys are developing, and I really think that Freddie Kitchens is developing a cohesive team, and this very physical training camp is going to pay off. Uh, where the games are going to be the easy part because they've already been through the tough part, and that was just surviving Freddie Kitchens' first training camp. Yeah, what's your uh, Browns win loss record this year? I am going to say that they're going to go 10 and six. They will start slow. They're going to be around 500 for the first two months of the season. But then once they get to the back end of the schedule, I think they, especially when Kareem Hunt comes back from uh, the suspension uh, starting November 10 against Buffalo. Um, I'm looking at those, those, you know, starting with Buffalo, they got the Steelers four days later on Thursday night football. The Dolphins aren't any good. Uh, that's a three game homestand. If you go two and one there, you're in great shape. Then you go to Pittsburgh, come back home to play the Bengals, travel to Arizona. You got Baltimore and Cincinnati. I mean, they really could in those last, what, two, four, six, eight games there they could go six and two over their final eight games. They could be four and four through eight. And I know everybody's going to freak out about that. I'm not worried because I think they can go six and two over the final eight. And that gets them to the 10 and six and into the playoffs. What do you think the hardest game is going to be the Rams or the Pats? Well, I, I think the hardest game for them is going to be, I don't, I think the, I mean, obviously it's easy to say the Patriots, but the bye week comes before the Patriots. So they're going to be able to rest up. I think early in the season is a little bit of a gauntlet because they open against Tennessee. Then they have a Monday night game at the Jets. Then they come home to host the Rams on Sunday night football. So that's technically a short week, but they play the last game of the day, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, then they got another interesting back-to-back uh, -back right before their bye. October 7th, they go to San Francisco for Monday night football. That is a long plane ride coming home. And then on Sunday, six days later, they host the Seattle Seahawks. Now, the NFL kind of did the Browns a favor there because they have to fly back from the West Coast to host at home a 1 o'clock Eastern Cleveland time game against a west coast team but instead of making it a four o'clock because typically when west coast teams come east they make those four o'clock games well i think to help the browns out a little bit maybe even it up they made that a one o'clock game so for the seahawks they're actually on their body clock playing at 10 a.m so there's a couple of stretches early that are going to be very very uh, difficult and like i said if they can once they get through the trip to denver uh in early November and they start the, in that, that's the midpoint of the season there. Those are your first eight games. If they can get through their first eight at four and four, I think that they're in great, great shape. If they get through at five and three, they're in phenomenal shape. 
But I think four and four through the first eight. And then, as I said, I think they win six of the final eight, and that gets them to the playoffs. Well, Daryl, let's catch up when we're five and three. That'd be a great point to uh, catch up. Daryl, tell everyone, where can everyone find your details? Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter at right or wrong fan, R-U-I-T-E-R-W-R-O-N-G, fan. Uh, I'm on Instagram as well, drop the fan, same username, just drop the fan from that. And then obviously, if you want to read all my uh, articles, uh, they're available at 923thefan.com. Mate, you get a lot of people uh, screenshotting and commenting on your uh, reports, especially Instagram, like the, the Browns Wire, the Browns Wave, the official dog nation, whatever they're called. They're always screenshotting your quotes and comments. Mate, you're doing a great job, mate. Appreciate it. And I'm glad to provide free content for the rest of the internet. <laughs> mate, I saw your comment on uh, Hayden's post about um, people um, just copying videos and then not giving the uh, author any credit. Well, that's why I watermark all my videos now with the station logo. This way, if you do want to use it without permission, well, people know where it came from. So uh, that's, that's, you know, one thing that, you know, the, I don't have anything against the blog sites, but what they tend to do is, is, you know, we're the ones asking the questions every day. We're the ones there reporting the firsthand accounts. And then what they do is basically rewrite everything that we write for their sites. And then they get all the traffic. And that takes that actually takes traffic away from us which then takes revenue away from our employers which then takes revenue out of our pockets so that's it's it's not that i have anything against the blog sites and in the, the fan blog sites or whatnot it's just it's it's one of those things that if you're going to use content from us give us you know give the reporter whose content you're using the proper credit uh so that uh you know their employer doesn't lose traffic and revenue and, uh, you know, the pervert person providing uh, that content also doesn't lose that traffic and that revenue. Yes. One thing I'm going to be doing this season is a lot more retweets from you guys doing great work, especially you, Hayden, and the rest of the, rest of the guys. Uh, Scott Pentrack, just giving us the uh, information. You know, you're not going to see that in an article for one to two days later, you know, we're seeing it instantly on Twitter and uh, yeah, to give you guys respect. I'm just retweeting it and uh, yeah, really enjoying the work. Cleveland Browns headquarters, they're producing some great content as well this season. Well, it, and you know, their, their social team's doing an outstanding job and it's, it's, it, I'm actually happy for them because it, it's tough to provide great content when your team isn't very good. Uh, and they've had to deal with that for years, and now they have all these exciting superstars and, and players uh, that they, uh, you know, that they get to put content out on. Starting with Odell Beckham, Baker Mayfield, uh, Jarvis on the defensive side of the ball, Miles Garrett, uh, Demarius Randall. Uh, it just the list goes on and on. And so it, it, I'm really happy for those people that work behind the scenes for the Browns to provide fans you know, with some of that team exclusive content, they actually have some, some, they, they can actually start to have some fun with their jobs and have some fun interactions with uh, the fans without their mentions being blown up with the negative vitriol that uh, 
you know, we'd seen in, in years past because the Browns have some really, really great uh, creative people that work behind the scenes. Excellent. Well, Daryl, it's been an absolute pleasure. Apologies, we've gone well over the time limit. It's been an absolute blast. Thank you so much. You got it. Anytime. My pleasure. All right, buddy. I'll see you out in Cleveland uh, for the Titans. All right. Sounds good, Paul. Take care of yourself. All right, bud? All right, bye.